0: Come all ye young Pats fans, and hear while I sing. For the love of the Patriots is a beautiful thing. The other teams fear us, and the Belichick name. And it makes us all part of the Patriot game. Oh my- God. The greatest of all time. The greatest of all time. Starting the record now. Bear with you. Bear with me. We're almost there. It's going to be lit. All right. It's going to be lit. I'm in the same outfit that I was in last night. I put it back on. I put on the same outfit as last night. And you know what it smells like? It smells like alcohol and success and passion and survival. Look at these socks. Look at these socks. Passion, finesse, survival, alcohol, and greatness. Though, Sean, I mean, there is two halves to football for a reason. Also, at one point, the Patriots had a .02% chance of winning the football game. That is two in a thousand. With nine minutes left in the third quarter. Two in a thousand. I don't thank you, Maeve. I am flawless. I haven't shaved since the Patriots last loss in November. I look like a beetle that's not musical dressed as a Patriots fan. I haven't shaved since last hashtag keep the beard. Everybody knows it. Sean knows what I'm talking about. I don't want to say it was me, but it was me. It was never in doubt. I mean, never in doubt. 0.2% chance of winning. Two in a thousand in the third quarter. Two in a thousand. And Atlanta, honestly, they cough some shit up. I mean, they absolutely cough some shit up. That strip sack when they're up 16 points—why they're passing there, I have no idea. And how you get into field goal territory and then take a sack and then get a holding call and then throw it out of bounds—there's like a minute and 15 seconds. You could have kneeled twice, and the Patriots would have called both timeouts, and you probably would have kicked a field goal. And even if you missed it, we would have to go the length of the field with one timeout. To do what we did anyway, but it really like the big the big thing for this whole game is it never really felt like the Patriots weren't playing that well, except for like one or two plays they couldn't execute. So like for example, drive all the way down the field and then they're inside the thirty. Atlanta is supposed to have one of the worst red zone defenses in the NFL. It's like their Achilles heel, right? They give up a ton of yards and they're bad in the red zone, but they cause turnovers and stuff. But they're a horrible red zone defense, and Tom has a misread, throws an interception, guy runs it back for a touchdown. That's a 10-point swing, at least a 10-point swing. We're getting at least a field goal there. LeGarrette's blunts fumble. When it's 0-0 in the first quarter, we're getting at least a field goal there. That's three more points we're losing. Now we're giving up 13 points in those swings, right? Then towards the end of the first half when it was 21 nothing, and we kick a field goal, 21-3, we had a great chance. We would have been on like the one-yard line with James White except there's another holding call and we give that away. That's basically four points. We are 17 points given back and we're down 18. So when you look at it like that, you're like, well, we just gave 17 points up like opportunity cost points. We can figure this out. And the whole game, the whole game I'm fidgeting over here. Cause this is where the Facebook live computer is. I got to switch some things up the whole game. James White was unbelievable. James White was unbelievable. He could be the MVP. He's second on the team in catches with 60 catches. Here's a James White stat for you. He played 71 snaps. The Patriots have had like one other time where a running back played more than 60 snaps. I think it was Danny Woodhead. This season, the most a single running back played on the Patriots was 47. James White played 71. He is arguably the third string receiver. The third-string running back, right? He basically only catches the ball out of the backfield. He was second on your team in receptions. That's – talk about depth – Talk about value at the running back position. LeGarrette Blount had 18 touchdowns. I think he's playing for a million dollars. It might be the best contract in NFL history. In NFL history. Deion Lewis not playing for a lot of money. The Patriots have never lost a football game that Deion Lewis has participated in on the Patriots. Never. And then James White is still on his rookie deal in his third year. And I made the argument on this very podcast that James White is on the same progression that Shane Vereen was on. The exact same progression that Shane Vereen was on. Shane Vereen was a little bit better of a runner, but not a ton better of a runner, and was a better pass catcher, but by the end of the year, he would be at a Shane Vereen level. Well, when we beat the Seahawks in the Super Bowl, Shane Vereen had like nine catches and 100 yards, and he was fantastic. James White, 14 catches, NFL record. 110 yards receiving, NFL record for reception yards by a running back, okay? Three total touchdowns and 20 total points because he scored a two point conversion. 20 points scored by one person, NFL record for a Super Bowl. We had two different running backs score three touchdowns in in a single playoff game in the same playoffs, and neither of them are the starting running back. Neither of them are the starting running back. That's depth. That's when you know your team is awesome, when your roster is constructed unbelievably. When your team just manages the salary cap better than everyone else. When you can lose Rob Gronkowski, who is arguably the best non-quarterback in the entire NFL, the entire NFL, and yet you can still win the Super Bowl and come back from 25 points down because you have firepower, because you got guys like Martellus Bennett coming over on trades for a fourth rounder. I mean, that is brilliantly put together. And I'm not going to lie to you, I was scared. There was one moment in the third quarter when, when it got to 28-3. We had to stop coming out of the gate. I felt good. Then we couldn't convert. It was a mess, right? It was a mess. They score 28-3, and it was the first time the whole game, since an hour before the game, I sat down. I sat down. So I was at a bar, a Patriots bar. I was finding people who were from my hometown, people who I have known since I was eight, people I went to high school with. I met someone who's... It was like football, bring, Patriots fans are everywhere, man. I met someone whose son dated a girl I went to high school with, and then she ended up coming to the bar because they texted and mentioned me, and we ended up seeing each other. I saw her mom for the first time in 10 years. Like, that's what football. But anyway, this is not the point. The point is, I sat down. I was legitimately like, I have no idea what we're going to do. And then you get up and you just try to hope for something. The Patriots all constantly saying they're never, they, Boston Tim from Foxborough joins the podcast. Boston Tim was in Houston. We're going to do a phone call this week because the full breakdown, like with Boston Tim, with Ben from NFL Network, with Pete Smith from patspropaganda.com, that is all coming to release on Thursday. That is is going to be the wrap-up of everything we saw. Tim was in Houston. Timmy, did it blow your effing mind? Did it blow your effing mind? Boston Tim from Foxborough, been on the podcast 10 times this year, goes to Houston, sees the greatest game of all time. And we're sitting there being like, if anyone can take us back from 0.2%, two out of 1,000, it's Tom Brady and this team. And the whole team said there was no panic. They were never nervous. There was never any panic from the Patriots at all. And they showed because they just started to execute. Those, Those points started to come back. I said we gave up like 17 points in opportunity cost. Then all of a sudden, you get a strip sack, and we recover the ball, and boom, we're getting those points. The two-point conversion, they did the the Kevin Falk play when they snap it back, uh, and the fake that he misses the snap, and it's a direct snap. I mean, that's the Kevin Falk play. James, James White, awesome. Some guys in this game were beyond incredible, and one of them was James White. Three touchdowns, absolutely could have been the MVP. I thought he was the best player on either side of the entire game. He was absolutely unbelievable. And it's not like the Falcons played bad. Their coverage was great. They were getting tons of pressure with four guys. They are faster than I thought. They have better guys on their defense than I thought. Julio Jones only had four passes thrown to him. Only four. And he caught all four of them, right? And, like, three of them were magnificent catches. One across the middle that Logan Ryan looks like he's ripping the ball he takes in. That last catch to get them in field goal range perfect coverage by eric rowe 25 yards down the field he double clutch catches it and toe drags like a 35 yard catch how is that even humanly possible and yet the patch just kept coming the patch just kept coming the patch just kept coming and i'm sitting in my seat at 28 3 being like how do we do this and then dante hightower off the edge because freeman doesn't know who to block because normally tevin coleman's blocking there and he gets injured hightower comes in off the edge creates the sack Okay, the Patriots' second-half adjustments, they started bringing pressure. And granted, the Falcons only had 17 or something plays in the second half, and the Pats had a shit ton. But they started bringing pressure. The fumble starts coming. Allen Branch was great in this game. Great sacks. He got a fumble recovery there. And then it's a short field, and then you start to think, hey, maybe we got a chance. That probability is up to, like, 6%, 6 out of 100. And we just start rolling a little bit. And you can once that happened and we scored and we got that two-point conversion – You got a feeling in you that was the opposite feeling we've had the last three Super Bowls. The last three Super Bowls was like, something's going to happen. We're screwed. Even the one we won against Seattle, Jermaine Curse makes that catch, and you're like, we're screwed. And then all of a sudden, this time, the wheels start rolling, and it starts going the other way. It starts going the other way and strip sack on a play they didn't need to throw the ball. And then we score, and then we get a two-point conversion. Then they get a 30-yard catch on a blown coverage. But then we stop them, and then they get all the way into the field goal territory, and they could literally just kneel the ball. And instead they get a sack, and then a hold, and then they have to punt us the ball back. And then we drive down, and Edelman's catch. Edelman's catch. They did the sports science on it. I'm not sure if you saw it. The way that the ball was moving when he tried to double catch it at the end— he had 0. 0.120 like milliseconds or something to catch the ball it was 3 inches above the ground when he tried to regrip it it was going to 1 inch he had to do it in 0.20 milliseconds which according to those weird science dudes on ESPN is like half the amount of time it takes for a falcon to flap its wings he literally had to do it with you, you need a world-class person with world-class instincts and world-class reaction time, and that's what we had. That catch was unbelievable. I told you at the at this game, I said, hey, the guy to tell your friends he might have a better game than you think, okay, that guy is Julian Edelman, and I know that's crazy because like he's been having so many catches he had 100-and-something yards the last couple games, he, he but he's gonna. this is a game where he can exploit the defense if they play man-to-man coverage. Was he unbelievable? No. Did, was he unbelievable when it mattered? Yes. 85 yards that were huge. Everybody was huge. Malcolm Butler was huge. I mean, our coverage was good. Logan Ryan, I told you he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid, and he did a really good job when he was covering Julio Jones. I hate him on the outside. And two catches were against Logan Ryan when he's on the outside. When he's all the way on the outside against Julio Jones, I just go like this. I'm like, it's. But Eric Rowe, dude, Kyle Van Noy, we're adding these guys, and they made such great personnel decisions. We got screwed at another point. When Shay McClellan jumps over the guard, which you're allowed to do, he was not on the loudness scrimmage. And if you hit the guard, it doesn't matter. It's only if you hit the center. We should have blocked that extra point. Another point given up. That's 18. Then, boom, we miss our own extra point, 19. And it's just like we, we, we're just giving away opportunity points. And then we start to reel him in. And you feel it in the bar. We're just reeling it in, reeling it in, reeling it in. One play after another play after another play and you start getting the feeling in your stomach. It's going to happen. The trick play doesn't work and you're like, shit, the Edelman touchdown pass, we needed that against the Ravens a couple years ago. We needed that one. And then all of a sudden, Danny Amendola converts a fourth down. Danny Amendola was awesome in this game. Not getting a ton of snaps, but I, th- I told you guys in my pre-victory podcast, I thought this could be a good game for him because I thought we could play double slots a lot and go like four wide. Double slots. Lots of double slots. And we did. Amendola and Edelman were on the field a bunch together. That's what wide receiver depth does. This team has four very good wide receivers. Are they world beaters? No. But they're unbelievable at knowing every play. Every single one of them can block. Every one of them has timing. And a guy like Danny Amendola, when you up the pace, is huge because he knows every signal and he knows where to go. And honestly, the whole game when we weren't scoring, I was just screaming, we need to play faster and we need to throw to the running backs out of the backfield. And you know what? This is the thing you might not think about because... This, this statement's going on, like, the Patriots had 96 plays and the Falcons had 47. 96 plays. Massive disparity. So, obviously, the Falcons' defense was tired, and that's why they couldn't get pass rush. They had pressure on, like, 40% of passes in the first half and, like, 8% or 10% or something like that in the second half. But what that doesn't say is actually how incredible offensive line coach Dante Skarniecki is and the entire offensive unit for their conditioning because the game-winning touchdown Marcus Cannon six foot five like 325 or 330 pound right tackle a guy that I said at the beginning of the season I am driving the Marcus Cannon is trash train that's how much I disliked him and Dante Scarnecchia has made him phenomenal absolutely phenomenal he was probably the best offensive lineman on the Patriots last night and he sprints out on a toss play to get the game ceiling block so that James White doesn't get hit straight on. He only takes on one guy, and James White never breaks the tackle, and he broke like two or three in this game, and he carries a guy across the goal line. That's conditioning. When you score 30, what, 31 unanswered points, and your offensive line has to play at that pace and give constant protection when they've had such problems with protection. That is conditioning. That's mental and physical conditioning. That they know what the plays are, they know what's going on. They got they got the speed. And then a six foot five, three hundred and thirty pound guy sprinting like his life depends on it to get that game ceiling block. And I know, I know I said that. Deon Lewis, we haven't lost a game with Dion Lewis. Good point, Sean. But I know as we're on Facebook Live, on the Patriot Game podcast page, on the Dave Bryan Espindle page, that's B R Y A N. Marcus Cannon was fantastic because of guys like Dante Skarnacchia, okay? Now, Shaq Mason, right guard, horrible game. He kept getting blown up. You know how one guy in on the Falcons had three sacks, a big defensive tackle? He was blowing up Shaq Mason in pass coverage. But, but, both of James White's, James White's touchdown run up the middle, his two-point conversion run up the middle, right behind Shaq Mason. Because he's a great run blocker. So we had moments like that. Nate Solder did not have a good game. He did not have a good game at all. Letting up Dwight Freeney sacks, it was getting rough. Had some of the biggest uh, blocks down the stretch. Absolute massive blocks down the stretch against guys like Vic Beasley, who's the NFL leader in sacks. The defense came to play. Dante Hightower was fantastic. Pay that man his money, as they say. Malcolm Butler... I'm so, it's unbelievable that Malcolm Butler is still going to be on this team for a restricted free agent contract next year. I mean, every time we do this, we convince great players to take less money to play for us. And there's a huge article that was written about it. We have messed up the salary cap in the NFL, because we will just make an offer and be like, yeah, other teams are going to pay more. We won't, but we make it to the AFC championship every single year. And we win Super Bowls like that one. And you're going to get a chance to play not only with the greatest quarterback of all time, the greatest football player of all time. And you listen to guys like Martellus Bennett, who talk about, I've had caught 90 catches. I'm one of the best tight ends there are, but I came here to win a championship. I came here to win a championship. I knew I would have a reduced role. There were games I got one pass, but I blocked, and I never felt bad about it because the team knew what I was doing. Hey, can you help block on this guy? We need help chipping on Dwight Freeney in the Super Bowl. And Martellus Bennett says, sure, I got it. And he starts blocking because he wants to win a ring. He wants to win a ring. Dan Towns, are you shaving today? I am. I haven't thought about it, but I don't think I'm shaving today. Because hashtag keep the beard. This is reminding me that I am a champion. I mean, I wasn't on the team, but like I didn't shave between the wins, so like it was kind of me. I think I'm gonna hold on to this bad boy at least through this week and just breathe it in. I might condense it to less homeless. I might like, you know, grizzle up some of the neck hair. So I like right now everyone says like you look like Paul McCartney and Ryan Gosling had a baby, and that baby is an actor training for a homeless person who's going to climb Mount Everest. That's my role. That's what I look, who's a diehard Pats fan. And he's going to just put a flag, a Patriots Nation flag on the top of Everest. That's what I look like. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to go to the parade because I'm still in Chicago. So if you're in the parade, everyone take your parade photos and post it on the Patriot Game podcast page. I will just open it up. Everyone take all your best photos. All your best videos, if you took videos on your phone, from if you're at a bar, if you're at a public place, parade, everything. Put on. I went on a duck tour in October because I knew we were going to get this. And I wanted to feel what it was like. I wanted to feel what it was like in October on the duck tour. The whole time they're talking about the city of Boston, and I know like 90% of the shit, and I learned like a little bit, but the whole time I'm just like, this is where Gronk hangs out the side and catches a beer and shotguns it into his mouth. I mean... And the craziest thing is, our defensive coordinator, who's fantastic and didn't have a good game, is going to come back to the Patriots. Our offensive coordinator, who's unbelievable, is coming back to the Patriots. It's unbelievable. And nothing is better than my friend Michael Deneau, who's on here right now, sending hate text messages. How many people right now got hate text messages during that game that everybody had to eat their own words? And Mike Deneau was one of them. Sending hate text messages, just breathing it in because he didn't keep the faith, he didn't keep the beard, never in doubt, never in doubt. It reminds me of the clip from when the Patriots beat the Panthers and the Panthers in the Super Bowl, and they come back, and Musin Muhammad, the great receiver, sits next to Steve Smith, and they play the clip all the time, and he just looks at Steve Smith and he goes, this game ain't over, not not with that quarterback, not with that guy over there, and that is how it feels to root for Tom Brady, and I feel so bad about everyone else who doesn't. And that's why our fan base is so dedicated. I met a guy last night, shout out, Jora, I believe was his name. Guy was a school teacher in Honduras. And after the Pats beat the Seahawks in the Super Bowl, he convinced his school like leadership in Honduras to f- do a class trip to Massachusetts so they could go to museums and stuff, so he could take them to Patriot Place so he could take a picture at Gillette, and he could go through Gillette, and he showed me the photo with him and all his Honduran school kids and him with a Tom, Brady, a Tom Brady 12 jersey on. And that's a guy I met at the bar last night. That is dedication. That is hashtag keep the beard. And that is the type of people that knew we were not going to lose this football game. And when I, even when I sat down, I, I sat down and I was just like, can I put my brain in that space where we don't win this game? Can I put my brain in that space where we don't win this game. And then I remember we have greats like Ty Law. We have Patriot greats like Ty Law who make interception return for touchdown in Super Bowl. We have greats like that. We have greats like Tom Brady, and we have living greats like Julian Edelman who never asked to buy a beer in the city of Boston. Malcolm Butler who never asked to buy a beer in the city of Boston. And then we just have the classiest best players like Devin McCourty, Matthew Slater, guys that you don't know if you're a casual Patriots fan, but they are fantastic at what they do. They are the best at what they do. And everyone said there was no crazy pump up speech at halftime. There was nothing absolutely overwhelming. There was nothing crazy. It was a bunch of guys who were like, if we just play every play the best that we can, we can win this football game. And even in the third quarter at 0.2%, it's not over. Not with that there quarterback over there. It's not over. And that's how it feels. Haters are going to hate and winners are going to listen to the Patriot Game podcast available on iTunes Watch these videos on the Patriot Game Podcast page where you can post any pictures and any videos. The Instagram, D Spin Win, right? That's my Instagram. I got it all. And it's going to be this off. I'm not going away. I'm not going away. On Thursday, we're going to have Pete Smith from Pat's Propaganda. We're going to have Ben Salt. And we're going to have Tim Minkler, who just tuned in, who was in Houston, Boston Tim from Foxboro, to get that perspective, right? We got the NFL Network guy. We got that. And then we're going to have season, maybe every couple weeks. I'll come in. I'll hit you guys up. Hey, I'm going to drop a podcast I've been working on every couple of weeks and we're going to be back next year. More branding, more guests, and we're going to not shave between the lo- we're not going to shave between the losses. And the Patriots that's that's what we do. We kick ass and we don't shave. And that's and that's what Matt Patricia does and that's what I do. And I got nothing else. I'm still in the suit. It smells like alcohol and championships. I can hardly talk. That was the most incredible game ever. It was, the, it was the game that you remember why the journey matters. Because I said I thought we would win this Super Bowl by the biggest margin of any Super Bowl that we've won. And we did. That's the crazy thing. We won by six points. The other Super Bowls, we won a four-point Super Bowl where we won by one yard. And we won three Super Bowls by three points. And we won this by six. We covered. We covered. We covered the spread. And everyone who was in the journey knows. Everyone who was in the journey knows the up and downs. I got to the bar at 11 and I was there for 12 hours. I was ready. I was pacing an hour before this game. Like I had any impact. And I've said it is so hard. And everyone who's a diehard Pats fan knows it is so hard to have all of your happiness and excitement and joy just sucked in and in control of this one thing that you have no control over. But then there's moments like these where sports is the greatest thing of all time because you just go to a Boston bar, you meet a bazillion Pats fans who feel the same way as you do, and you're crying, and you're hugging, and you're kissing, and if you don't believe me, you go to the Patriot Game Facebook page right now and see the video that I took of shipping off to Boston. The video, I don't know if you guys saw, I did the, I mean, it wasn't, I, there was champagne baths. I, I, I poured a beer on my own face. I mean, it was there. And that was, just, that was just the fire coming out. And that's why sports is amazing. Because in the first half of that game, you're like, why do I even do this? Why did I dedicate, I don't know, eight plus hours a week, if not more, 10 plus hours a week to these podcasts, doing two and three a week? since before the season started, since before August? Why did I dedicate all this time and energy to watching every Patriots game, to reading every article? In the middle, you're like, I hate sports. And then you remember why you love sports, why you love Tom Brady, why you love Bill Belichick, why they... Bill's won seven championships. Seven. Brady's won five, and he said he has five years left. He has five years left. The dude didn't blink. We set, like, every record. 466 yards passing. We plays we had completions we had attempts we had catches by James White James White was unbelievable James White I've been I've been singing his praises and I've been not singing the praises of Marcus Cannon and I'll tell you what both of them came to play a hundred percent today or yesterday I don't even know what day it is I don't even know what's going on hashtag keep the beard the Patriot Game podcast make sure you subscribe on Thursday um subscribe now because the next one releases Thursday, but this is the last thing I want to talk about. I want to talk about the photo, the greatest photo of all time, the photo that literally got blood flow into my red pants when I saw it this morning. The I've watched the minute and 27 second video of Roger Goodell introducing Tom Brady as the MVP and awkwardly holding that football to give to Tom Brady. I have watched that video maybe 20 maybe 20 times today. Maybe I spent like over an hour, like a 24th of my day, just watching that video over and over and over. And I've dreamed about it for like six, seven months. I thought about it last year. I dreamed about it this year. I dreamed about Goodell dreaming about how horrible that moment would be. I I dreamed that in my dream, it was Inception style, and he had freaking night sweats and night terrors about what just happened in real life. Dreams come true. I think that might be overstating it, but you know what I mean because I got that moment. And the caption uh, caption contest, open caption contest in the comments if you want to caption the Goodell and Brady hand the Super Bowl MVP trophy because that that's on the Patriot Game Podcast Facebook page. It's the cover page of the Davis Spindle, E-S-P-I-N-D-L-E Facebook page, right? And mine was, a picture is worth a thousand words and a first and fourth round pick and millions of dollars And four games of suspension and this one photo, this one photo, this Super Bowl trophy. And that's what it's about. That photo, that is immortal. You cannot eliminate that Roger Goodell. You cannot get rid of that photo in court. You cannot say someone destroyed a phone with a photo on it. You cannot tell me that someone pointed a camera at the wrong part of the sideline, what they've been doing for 20 years. And that one year in that one game, all of a sudden it's not allowed, but now every single person is live streaming every single play of a football game. So it's not a rule anymore. Cause guess what? There's a million cameras at every single game and everyone has a personal one. You can't tell me that science doesn't exist and that a football gets, doesn't have atmospheric pressure changes to temperature. You can't tell me that you didn't suck up to all the other owners because robert they hate Robert Kraft for winning so much because every other coach in the league is stupid. Every other ownership in the league is stupid. And we saw it last night. The Falcons are an unbelievable team. And they're taking sacks in the fourth quarter, 25 yards to get out of field goal range. They're getting strip sacks. They're challenging plays that don't make sense. They challenged the play when they could have waited 13 seconds to the two-point convert to the two-minute warning. Watched the play 20 times on the jumbotron and then decided if they wanted to challenge it. Instead, they challenged it. We got a free timeout. We got a play, and then we got the two-minute warning. Like you guys are just so dumb just so dumb and it's a bunch of these rich owners who have been successful in every single walk of their life and they're paying Roger Goodell 40 million dollars to make sure that they make money and the money isn't enough for them because there's one guy in Foxborough who by the way started as a season ticket holder in the parking lot he was just like me a diehard maybe not just like me because he's probably a lot smarter but a diehard fan in the parking lot And now he just brought his, again, for the fifth time, we are all patriots and the patriots are world champions. And all these owners trying to get you to sack up these ridiculous fines when the judge is telling you, actually, it's an equipment violation and you're treating it like it's a PED suspension when the same thing when people pipe in noise, you give them a $10,000 thing. And you go to court and you spend millions and you pay a a lawyer to do a fake science document that was disproven in court to pretend all these things that don't exist. And you do that to try to prevent the Patriots from winning the Super Bowl. And they sit the best player in the history of football for four games, for four games. They can't play him. And they went fourteen and two in the regular season. They went three and one in those four games. They're going they win the Super Bowl in the greatest comeback ever. The quarterback is unequivocally the greatest quarterback and player in the history of the league. And by the way, the backup quarterback that got to play most of those four games, if they want to trade him, guess what they can trade him for? A first and fourth round pick, which is exactly what you tried to take us away, take away from us. And then every dollar bill, we're gonna get that back in the salary cap because when you win, great players from other teams will take less money to play with Tom Brady, to play with Bill Belichick, to play with champions, and that's why Josh McDaniels isn't going the 49ers. And that's why Matt Patricia is a diehard pat's just he's the man. And we don't lose those coaches. We don't lose those players because it's the way. It is the way. It is the way. Subscribe to the podcast, the Patriot Game Podcast. Follow the Facebook page. Um, listen, hashtag tell your hot friends, keep the beard. I guess. I guess just keep the beard if you want to now because we're world champions. We don't shave between the losses. I mean, we don't shave between the wins. But now we want them all. We want, I'm mic dropping. I'm ending this with a mic drop, and I'm going to play the music out. The You know the music where we say, hey, basically, hey, hey Roger Goodell, suck it. That's that's. I'm going to start the audio version of this podcast with the audio from me at the bar from the Facebook Live, and I'm going to finish it with the beautiful words, I'm going to look like a Sasquatch by the time. It's possible. I have a brother who has a beard like this long, gigantic red hair and a beard this long. He's like, you're kind of stealing my shtick if you grow out your beard the whole year. Like, you're kind of stealing my thing. We're going to be like weird beard brothers. And you know what? I'm kind of okay with that. Um, If you listen to the podcast, I'm going to start it with the Facebook live video, just the audio from that. And if you listen every week, you remember the, the great words at the end of the Patriots Facebook podcast. I'm going to finish it with that. I'm absolutely going to finish it with that because Goodell deserves it. He deserves it. Ready? I'm finding it right now. That's, this is. It's not seamless yet, okay? We, clearly we could use a couple more dollar bills. Um, we could use a couple more dollar bills, but next year we're going to be prepped for that. We are going to be prepped for that. Okay, I got the onesie. I got the suit. I got the jerseys. I got it all. We're ready. Let's remind us let's, let's remind everyone towards victory through the spikes of young Gronkowski job done is right do your job the Patriot way the fans fans are are calling their heroes by name and we are all winning the Patriot game I'm going to be at Gillette, like every home game next year, handing out business cards. And if you're at the game, tweet me, dspin4thewin, the number four. Hit me up on the Facebook page. I'm going to be asking people to hand out cards for me so we can build this community up. Because this podcast is for the best fans. Not the worst journalists on the sideline. The best Patriots fans going. And that's what this is about. And here's Roger Goodell. And he can go eat shit when we win the Super Bowl. And guess what we just did, so go eat shit. Since we last lost, I'm not saying it's me, but it's me, it's me.